Hello everyone, welcome back to the Model Tongue Podcast. This is your host, Karen Inder. I am currently releasing a bunch of episodes focused on mental health, mental health resources, and coping strategies that will focus on empowering individuals who experience symptoms of mental health disorders, as well as share awareness and education for those who don't and may be in supportive roles. All of these can also be found on my Instagram under my IG lives. So if you haven't already, please be sure to check out my page at Karen Inder and give me a follow and like if you would like to see more content like this. If you or someone you know would like to be featured on the Model Tongue Podcast, please be sure to get in touch with me and you can do this by visiting www.beacons.ai slash karenender or by contacting me on Instagram. Thank you so much for your continued support and we'll start this episode off with a disclaimer. You have found it, the mother list of all healthy coping strategies and, you know, ones that actually work. I break down why we need healthy coping strategies, how to set yourself up for success, and brainstorm some reasons as to why the ones you've been using might not be working. These are all my personal go-to strategies, tried, true, tested, from years of trial and error, learning, practicing, and perfecting. Tune in for more tips and tricks on how to regain control and leave those negative coping mechanisms behind. Thank you so much. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to episode seven of the series, Healthy Coping Strategies. This is probably one of like, I love talking about healthy coping strategies. As someone who never had healthy coping strategies and had to find them quickly along the way, uh, I'm so happy to have created the mother list of healthy coping strategies. Um, for you, to help you, uh, to to add some great things to your life, to your routine. <laughs> um, yeah, like there's there's a bunch and I always love talking about them because who doesn't love, well, okay, well, I love. It's all about switching it up and becoming a better version of yourself and having a higher life of quality, you know, as someone who used negative coping strategies for years before finding any healthy ones. Um, I don't take any of these for granted. I'm so happy that they're tried, tested, and true by yours truly. (laughs) And now I can share with you that these are things that can work, but also why they work. I think understanding that is an important part to having healthy coping strategies and um, staying committed in a promise to ourselves that we will continue using them and practicing them. So, you know, my, I also worth mentioning just for full transparency and like to relate and everything, but I use self-harm as a coping strategy from like age seven to age 23. Um, so that is a long time of negative coping strategies. And now I, well, I was going to say now I don't use any negative coping strategies, but that's not true. I don't self-harm anymore, um, but I do have issues with like disordered eating. Um, and, you know, that, that's a whole other conversation about what negative coping strategies are. But for this episode, we are talking about the positive, the healthy coping strategies, what I have learned throughout the years, what I find works. The, this is the mother list, people. So save it and revisit when you need them, keep them in your repertoire, make a list on your wall, just practice them. (laughs) Uh, Okay, 
So yes, these are healthy coping strategies that work. These are ones that work. I don't want none of that BS, you know, like, okay, breathe, <laughs> breathing is in here, but I just, I'm going to talk about breathing. Like, I don't like when people like, just breathe, just breathe. That's not, it's a healthy coping strategy, but it's not effective for a lot of people. So let's talk about it. Um, why do we need healthy coping strategies to replace the negative coping strategies? We all deal with stress and trauma in a way, in some way or another. Um, ne negative healthy coping, uh, negative coping strategies are easier to adopt <laughs> than healthy ones. So it's all about um, like staying away from the negative ones and using positive ones. But also if you are using a negative coping strategy, it could be self-harm, could be cutting. Um, it's, this is something I try to tell parents to parents of children who self-harm is that it's hard to stop, like almost impossible to just stop self-harming. Um, what's easier is to replace it with a healthy coping strategy. So that's what this is about. Um, we use negative coping strategies because we aren't sure how to process those emotions or aren't sure how to process stress and we're not able to communicate or express how we're feeling. And so we default to what has always worked and what we probably learned early on in our lives. So now it's time to switch it up. It's time to be our own self-advocate. It's time to feel empowered. It's time to learn about our uh, mental health disorders and our symptoms and our negative coping strategies and face them head on and make different decisions and choices for ourselves so that we can attain the quality of life that we want and we can start thriving, not surviving. So, um, These healthy coping strategies, I'm gonna, like I list a bunch, okay? And they can be effective, but with any healthy coping strategy, you have to stick with it. And I think that's one huge component of the conversation that is often left out is that it has to be a practice. I think the way that these healthy, healthy coping strategies are promoted is that when you're in a crisis, you just breathe and it's better. No, it doesn't work like that. Especially something like breathing. Breathing is something that has to be practiced daily, every other day, regularly, whatever that looks like for you in order for it to work in your moments of crisis. But no one talks about that. And I hate that because what ends up happening is that you're in a crisis and you start breathing and breathing doesn't work for you. And then you, and then you stop practicing proper breathing. Um, and you know, same go, same with meditation. When you're feeling stressed, people say, well, just meditate. It doesn't work like that. Meditation, at least I feel, I strongly feel, this is my opinion, this is what has worked for me and hasn't worked in my journey with healthy coping strategies, is that meditation, in order for it to work in the moments that you desperately need it to, it has to be practiced regularly in your life. There are a few things that like just um, work a la carte, like in the moment. And it's all about adapting, adopting the strategies into your daily life and practicing and it being a lifestyle so that when you are in crisis, when you are a level 10 out of 10 red flag rock bottom, you can use it and it will work. But we, but this conversation needs to happen because people people don't know this and then they try to use it in crisis and it doesn't work for them. 
and then they give up on it and then it adds to hopelessness and just more spiraling and nothing works. So FYI, PSA, okay? <laughs> Healthy Coping Strategies 101 with Karen. Um, I would want to acknowledge that stopping negative coping strategies, whether it's negative self-talk, aggression, drugs or alcohol, uh, self-harm, cutting, whatever it is, is stopping it is extremely difficult. Listen, I started cutting at like nine or 10 years old and I didn't stop until I was 23. I tried so many times to stop, made myself promises, um, was in all, you know, all kinds of therapies, um, would, you know, like throw out my kit, but then just end up building a new one. Like they are really, really difficult to stop. And I wanna acknowledge that because you are a warrior and you are so strong and you are doing the best that you can. You know what I mean? Like, I don't want to be just dismissive that, oh yeah, just incorporate these things. It is hard. And it took me a long, 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 long time to, to finally be able to stop. And I stopped because it just wasn't something I wanted to be doing anymore. But hopefully by integrating some healthy coping strategies into your coping strategy playlist it, it it just it it adds buffers it adds something different it strengthens you it gives you like little bits of hope every now and then and and eventually i think it can wean and help you taper off the coping strategies you don't want to do anymore so this is all about you and getting to where you need to be and here's some ideas on how to get there um with uh, these coping strategies you know they don't have, nothing has a 100% success rate. It's all about the little things you do in the everyday, all day lifestyle of your life that will help you navigate your world of mental health, right? Um, I, I also say that certain, uh, certain strategies are for certain parts of your like um, situation, like not everything is going to work. So in previous episodes, we talked about the crisis level, one being no crisis and then 10 being the highest of crisis. So it's like a spectrum, right? And there, like, there are some healthy coping strategies that will help you at a 10, but not necessarily at a two. And there's some healthy coping strategies that will help you at a level one to five, but not at a 10. So it's also about understanding the coping strategy, understanding your, you, yourself, understanding what works for you and knowing where to pull and what to use in the moment that you're given. Um, and this also helps build confidence um, and reduces hopelessness because I don't want you using a coping strategy that probably isn't effective at the crisis level you're at and then you think that you did it wrong or you suck at it or you failed or it doesn't work it's not working nothing's working and then you spiral to a dark place this is all about having a very open and honest conversation about healthy coping strategies the good the bad the ugly what works what doesn't when it works when it isn't going to work and when <laughs> and you know also when to know that you need additional support so let's start doing things for ourselves that work 
with us and for us and not against us. So how can we be smart with our mental health? How can we advocate for ourselves? What can we do? So another thing with this list of coping strategies is that I'm gonna be honest, I thought a lot of these on these lists, on this list, I like wrote off a long time ago. I thought they were BS. I thought that they were just like, you know, it used to, it used, I just couldn't handle it. I could never handle it when people would say, just breathe or meditate because I'm like breathing and meditate, then meditation doesn't work. It doesn't work for me. It's bullshit. Stop suggesting it. Like, I can't believe it. It's toxic positivity. <laughs> like, blah, 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 blah. And then, but, you know, but also part of me, the, the door was never fully closed because part of me was like, it must work if so many people suggest it, if so many people recommend it, you know what I mean? It's just like, it never worked for me. Then I realized that I was breathing wrong. And the whole reason that breathing never worked for me in you know moments of crisis and a panic attack and anxiety attack is because I was breathing wrong. And you think, how can I breathe wrong? I was one of those people, what do you mean I'm breathing wrong? Because that doesn't make any sense. I breathe every day. <laughs> um, you can be breathing wrong. And so if breathing isn't working for you in terms of a healthy coping strategy, I just want to shed light and have you entertain the idea that maybe you are breathing incorrectly. How did I learn this? I was going to physio for my knee and just happened to um, also see a, a breathing coach essentially. And this is where just by fluke, I learned that I was breathing wrong and she taught me how to breathe properly. And now this is a strategy that works for me. And I tried to do like breathing exercises every day. Um, how, to, you know, again, I'm not a breathing coach, so I can't tell if you're uh, breathing incorrectly. It's just something working, you know, YouTube it. If you can see a breathing coach, then please do, um, if that's an option for you, but learn how to breathe. So a great first step to know if you may be breathing incorrectly, take a deep breath and do a, do a self-assessment. If your stomach like went out when you took the breath, that's a sign you're breathing incorrectly. If you're breathing correctly, your stomach will not expand. So that's like, that's just like a good starting point to know if you're breathing incorrectly. Um, breathing I find uh, works. So now I'm on board, I'm on board the breathing train. I can get on board with it. I think it works, I think it's great. So we're gonna talk about it. Um, breathing I feel works from a crisis level one to 10. So one being, uh, you know, very little anxiety, very little crisis, and then 10 being full blown, you know, you need to see someone urgently. And then of course it's a spectrum. So that's just this little spectrum scale that I'm gonna use to talk about um, where breathing, could, where these things can work. So starting with breathing, I find it works across the whole spectrum from one to 10. I can, I do it regularly in my life every day. So breathing exercises. And then when I am in a crisis, um, I focus on my breathing and work on that because my breathing is one of the first things to go. I start hyperventilating. So it works across the board for me. 
something to consider. As I had mentioned in a previous episode, when, if you're prone to like anxiety attacks or panic attacks, um, a great place to start is to look at the baseline of where your body is because your body, it needs food, it needs water, it needs sleep, it needs air, it needs oxygen, you know what I mean? Um, if any one of those things are off, like if you are super hungry, if, you haven't, if you're dehydrated, if you're not getting enough oxygen, you're not getting enough sleep, this can all add additional stress to your physical self, which will then impact the stress on your mental self. So um, with breathing, it's all about making sure your body has enough oxygen uh, to, to help you get you through this panic attack. So, uh, yeah, if you can look into your breathing, um, if, if, you know, you have insurance and it covers a breathing coach or you have access to a breathing coach, or if you can YouTube breathing techniques, it is a great place to start. And they can really, really help you just like, I ignored everyone who told me this for the longest time. Let this be your sign that it is, it is a possible, amazing coping strategy for you. Um, getting the, I'm getting the bad, like, well, not the bad ones, but the ones that I was most skeptical of out of the way right away. Number two, coping strategies, meditation. Um, I, I try to practice mindfulness every day. I try to meditate as often as I can. Um, again, same thing. Meditation never worked for me. Then I figured out that I was meditating wrong. And I think, I think meditation is tough because how do you, how do you show someone how to meditate? How do you teach someone how to meditate? How do you learn how to meditate? Um, so meditation, I think is great for us on the scale of like one to maybe like eight. Um, I've never been able to meditate yet at like a nine or 10 level crisis. <laughs> it's just never worked for me. Uh, but again, it's another great tool to have to do regularly and practice and incorporate in your day-to-day -day life. It doesn't have to be full-blown meditation session. Like as long as you just practice mindfulness, um, it can go a long, long way. But if you are um, like me and meditation doesn't work for you, and there's a possibility that you're just meditating wrong, this is how I started meditating because I could never do it and I never got it. And I just thought it was really, really dumb, but now I don't Now it's I, like, I need it in my life. It works. So this is how I started. <sighs> no pressure on yourself, no judgment on yourself. I would go into meditation thinking I had to do like a very specific thing. And as soon as I let that go and the pressure of having to do it right, that's when I started working. So first, um, I, would get into the shower and um, pl and play just like meditation playlist on Spotify. And then that was it. I did nothing further than that. I would literally just shower and just listen to the music because that was all I was capable of doing. I could not, I could not unlock any levels in my mind. I couldn't create Zen. I couldn't just like have thoughts. I couldn't do it, but at least getting into the shower and listening to meditation playlists got me into the habit of meditating. So just do that. No pressure on yourself. Just do that. Then eventually when you just get used to it and it becomes a habit and um, it's just more on your, it's you're practicing really without even trying it. Then I was able to like lie in the shower or sit in the, in the, in the tub of the shower and just let, and just think, just let my thoughts go and listen to the meditation playlist and just let it happen. 
after doing that for a while, now I can, you know, I could go to lay on my bed right now with no music and meditate. So it's all about practice, but just start off smaller. And there's so many um, like meditation virtual groups right now. Uh, some you pay like five, $10, others are free. So definitely worth checking out because uh, I, meditation is a great way to uh, be preventative. That's what it's called. Like breathing and meditation can be preventative. Um, okay. So next we have the like elastic band. I'm sure you've seen this before. Um, what I like about this is that you can like, even if you're admitted to hospital, you can, this is something that you can take in with you and it won't be, uh, you know, it's safe to take into the floor. Um, they won't, the nurses won't take it away from you, but if this is great, especially if you struggle with self-harm, um, you just, and you just flick it, flick it on your wrist, like the thinnest part of your skin. And I used to do this, um, when I was trying to stop self-harming, this is something that I would do, you know, I'd be in school. And then if I had an urge or something triggered me, I would just, uh, snap, 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 snap. Um, it of course is, is a better alternative to like cutting, um, to just do this, but this, you know, the elastic band, it didn't work for me long-term. It worked short-term, but then eventually it just uh, stopped being effective. So that can happen. You can outgrow uh, coping strategies, but if you struggle with uh, thoughts of self-harm, then this can be a great thing to just next best thing, I guess. Um, okay. Uh, red pen. So this is another one for self-harm. Um, I have a black pen here because I don't want to trigger anyone on the live, but um, if you use a red pen and then you just go across your skin with red ink, it can help with the feelings and urges of self-harm. Um, it depends, of course, what your needs are when you self-harm because for some people it is it is the color red um, and for others it's not so it really depends on what your motivation is but it it is a better alternative um, than self-harming and if it works it works it could be temporary just until you get to a, like a place a stronger place right but i did want to mention it because i i do believe that anything that can um help you just prevent from self-harming is worth mentioning. So that is another great one. Um, cold exposure. This is honestly the best. It's one of my favorite uh, healthy coping strategies. And if you've watched my other healthy, co healthy coping strategy video, I also mentioned this one. Um, so cold exposure works from level one to 10 all across the spectrum. Um, this is great for if you feel that you're dissociating or if you feel the panic and anxiety building and you kind of need, you need a, you need a reset. <laughs> you need, you need a mind reset ASAP. Uh, you know, we're, we're in, um, we're in Canada, so it's cold here. So, but you know, it's, if it's in the winter and this is happening to you, you can just open the door, step outside um, and just let the cold. So basically it kind of, the, the cold exposure in a way shocks and just resets your mind. Um, one thing that I find even better than that is an ice pack in the freezer. And whenever you feel 
Uh, this way you know exactly where it goes. If you watch my last episode, where does it go? Straight to the neck. <laughs> if you feel yourself dissociating or anxious or having a panic attack, as quickly as you can, or you know, you have a support person with you, get them to go to the freezer, get your ice pack, and then get it and apply it directly to the neck. This um, can, again, reset the mind a little bit. It kind of startles you, it shocks you, and um, for, like it's meant to just recenter you quickly. Uh, you can also go in a cold shower, uh, or also if you don't have like any anything for cold exposure, you can uh, use like sour. So, uh, you know, put a bite lemon, like put a whole chunk of lemon in your mouth, um, that the sourness can also have the same effect. Just not like Sour Patch Kids, like actual, <laughs> like sour lemon or lime. Um, so that's, yeah, cold exposure. Highly recommend that. It's, uh, it's great. I use, I use it all the time. Okay, um, so now the next healthy coping strategy, it's called body scanning. So what is body scanning? I, I do this usually in the mornings. Um, if I wake up early, early, I just start doing a body scan. I usually go back to sleep. <laughs> so I love it. Uh, it. So it works best if you're laying on your back um, with your hands just by your side. And I, I recommend that you start at your feet. So what is a body scan? It is being aware and acknowledging every piece of your body. And what, I guess this is a type of meditation. It could be a type of grounding as well. Um, but it just keeps you focusing on yourself and the now and the present moment. And uh, by just channeling your mind and you can envision like energy or light or even water or whatever you want, like <laughs> birds fluttering inside each part, each limb of your body. And then you work your way up. So you start at the feet. Um, and so I just, I'm aware of my feet. I acknowledge my feet um, and then allow like my scan to go up my ankles, up my calves, and then I, you know, to my knees. And usually when I get to my knees, I'll like move my kneecaps just to acknowledge that I'm present and there. And then up the thighs, up the buttocks, uh, the stomach, the shoulders, you got their fingertips, your elbow, and then you finish at your, at your head. I, when I do this in the morning, I actually don't even make it <laughs> to my head because I've already fallen asleep by that point. Uh, it's very relaxing. It's very relaxing. So I find like this can work along the scale and 10 out of 10 recommend, honestly. Um, it is, it's an incredible tool. And again, focuses on crisis prevention. Body tensing. Um, oops, sorry. This is, this is fairly common too. I've heard this before. Um, it's when you, you can do this lying down, when you tense your muscles uh, and it's similar to body scanning, but you tense like a part of your body and you hold it, hold it, hold it, hold it, hold it, hold it, and then release. And then you just repeat that over and over. I'll do this uh, in the evenings when we're watching TV and I'm just like laying on the couch um, or in bed if I'm having a hard time going to sleep. So again, like it's hard to show cause it's all about like you're just tensing, but um, I'll just lift my foot up and then tense my calf 
and hold it, hold it, hold it, hold it, and let it go. I'll do the same thing with my arms. I'll just like tense, 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 hold it, hold it, hold it, hold it, hold it, and then release. And then you just do that over and over and over again. Um, body tensing, it's just about holding your muscles, being in control of them, and then releasing, and then repeating, and then releasing, and repeating, and releasing. I love it. It's a great tactic. Um, highly recommend it. And you can do it in, in, I like things that you can do in already relaxing positions, like laying down somewhere cozy. Um, cause it's a great moment just to work on yourself. Okay. The next one, healthy coping strategies is screaming. I have to stand behind screaming. I'm sorry. Screaming is the best. I don't like to promote suppressing like anything. <laughs> um, I had a client once who was like, I just feel like really angry and I just have to like be destructive and I don't know what's going on. I'm trying to like manage it. I'm like, don't manage it. Like let loose, like just, you know, destroy a cardboard box, rip up a bunch of paper, um, punch your mattress, punch a pillow, scream into a pillow just, you know, it's okay to release, right? Like let's, if you can release something, then release it. And so screaming is, is uh, one of my favorite things to do. So highly recommend. <laughs> um, okay. The next one, we have a couple more guys, uh, EFT tapping. So this Google it, you can read all about the theory and what it does, but it's um there are pressure points on your person and um i know one is here and then like there, there's um like a pattern you're supposed to go in but there's pressure points you know around here your head and just upper body and you do one side at a time and you just and you start there's um like an order, there's a specific order that you have to go in. Anyways, I love EFT tapping. Um, this of course is more prevention as well, like levels one to five, but it's just something great you can do in the shower or uh, before you go to sleep, when you're just relaxed, just practice EFT tapping, pressure points, they all mean something, they all do something, you can Google it, it's definitely worth looking into. Uh, eye tracking is another one. Um, Eye tracking is a great healthy coping strategy. This again falls under the category of prevention and you know, uh, would work one through five, I would say. But the theory behind it is to get your eyes moving more efficiently. Your eyes capture images and they send it to your brain. And if your eyes aren't moving efficiently or to the best of their ability, then they're sending images to your brain that are a little chopped up and is making your brain work harder to piece it together. So that's the theory behind it. I learned about it from my RMT. I have an RMT who's trauma-informed and uh, works with my eye tracking and vagus nerve to help parts of the brain that are often damaged by trauma, just helps them like communicate better and work more effectively. And so you can practice this yourself just by, you know, taking a pen or your finger and every day, every other day, whenever you think about it, just following objects. Uh, if you have eye appointment or even an RMT, they can help you with this, but the goal is just to get your eyes moving where they should be and the best of their ability. So 
that is on eye tracking. And the last one, we have grounding. Um, so this is such a broad term because grounding can mean so many um, different things for different people. And there's also like so many ways you can ground. Uh, but I just want you to like think about it be aware of it. Um, I find the strategy helpful in public places because you it's, you know, it's if you're on a subway, for example, uh, or streetcar or bus or plane, it's hard to practice like EFT <laughs> if you're starting to feel something um, or, or like breathing um, or body tensing or anything like that. Sometimes it's difficult. Grounding is something that you can do um, I find in public spaces that can like that that is requires your full attention and can be very very helpful. So, um, I some things that I do is I'll pick a color, so red, and then I'll try to find as many colors of red on, on the bus. You know, someone's hat, someone's backpack, someone's purse, someone's shoes, someone's eating an apple, like different things. And it just keeps me looking um, for those colors. Or I focus, of course, on the senses. So what, what's one thing you can see that you can taste, that you can hear, that you can feel, that you can smell is another grounding exercise. Um, anything for me with like counting, <laughs> I'm so bad at math. And so uh, if I have to count, it really requires all of my focus. So I will count like the ridges on a, a like a quarter or I'll just pick something, um, you know, if, if it's chairs on a bus, well, how many chairs can I count? How many chairs can I see? Uh, stuff like that. So all of those grounding things have helped me at a level 10. Um, I've used grounding to stop panic attacks on public transit, like I'm on a plane, um, I use the quarter and then usually on subways, I'll use the, the counting uh, or the colors, but yeah. So grounding can be really helpful too. Just, you know, look at it, find some grounding techniques that work for you and then practice them. Uh, so that is the end of the mother list of healthy coping strategies. <laughs> I hope that there's something in here that resonated with you and that helped you. Um, we're going to take a break and in an hour and a half, I will meet you back here for a discussion on medications and yeah, use these. Um, just be honest with yourself, be real with yourself, remind yourself that not all of them will work all the time, but you got to practice and implement them into your life. And that is how you will see the best results. Uh, best of luck and enjoy. Hope you enjoyed it and I'll see you soon. Thanks guys, bye.